This is The Politics of Everything, and I'm your host, Amber Danes. Welcome to the podcast where we want to discuss the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment to equality, and much more. Our guests are experts in their field or topic of choice, even if you've not yet heard their name. This is a bipartisan podcast, so while we love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate, by no means is this a one-sided forum for any one political view. So please listen up and enjoy the politics of everything. Welcome to the politics of everything. We're at episode 18, and today we're going to get our heads around the politics of flyer points. The world of flyer points, or flyer miles as they call them in the USA, has come a long way since it began many decades ago, originally as a way to secure travellers into flying more with the same airline and maybe scoring some lounge access rights. Steve is a former banker who, after experiencing business class travel for the first time, was hooked. In 2012, he founded iFly Flash, and Steve Huey has recognised a gap in the market and today is heralded among the startup world as an innovator and an authority on frequent flyer and reward points. Steve is also known as the points whisperer for his innovative approach to getting us all out of economy and into the echelons of business class without spending more of our own money on that particular seat. iFly Flat is his company, and he also helps other companies of all shapes and sizes with strategies to collect more points just by using the right cards to pay their bills. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thank you very much. So in a nutshell, if I don't know what you do and you're explaining it to me for the first time, tell me a little bit about what iFlyFlat does and why you even started this business. Yeah, sure. iFlyFlat. Think of iFlyFlat. It's like a travel agent where you tell us where you want to fly, but instead of paying with money, you're paying with points. So we're using your frequent flyer points and your credit card points to find all the best ways you can fly around the world and to pay with them. Obviously, our business charges a fee for doing so, but we can get you flying anywhere in the world in business class return for $2,500. Wow. That's impressive. I mean, sometimes that's what an economy seat can cost depending on where you're going from Australia, particularly in Australia where everything is quite far away. Yeah, and that, that's really how we pitch the business because Australia is so far away and that means flying economy for 14 hours is sort of a bit of a journey. But if you're flying business class, it's actually perfect. 14 hours is just a sweet spot for business class. Absolutely. And so, obviously, you experienced business class yourself before you started iFlyFlat. What actually made you leave, say, being a banker to then go, okay, I can turn this into a business? It really was that I started collecting frequent flyer points when I was flying. So, prior, probably, about, probably about eight years ago, I experienced my first business class flight, and I had never, ever looked and seen how much it was. So I was at work, I was going to Delhi for, uh, to build a team, and I realized that the ticket was about $6,700. And I thought, who pays this amount of money? Uh, it's a lot of money. I, yeah, a lot of money. But over time, I, after all these trips, I started collecting my, my own frequent flyer points, which meant I had enough of my own business class for leisure, something which I've never experienced before. But funny enough, I had colleagues that will also travel with me, but because we weren't always flying on concerts. They didn't even bother subscribing to the Singapore Chris Flyer Frequent Flyer Program. Well, that's the thing. I think I, I gather you need to obviously be a member of one of the loyalty programs to make this work for you, which I think sometimes when we look at 
you know, where are we going to go when we vote with our wallets? We might say, oh, yes, I love flying Qantas, but, hey, there's a cheaper flight on Cathay Pacific or Singapore Airlines or Hawaiian Airlines, for example, depending on where you're going. I guess when you think about it, is it about people being loyal to the one airline or being able to accumulate those points and you guys help them get where they need to get to on a business class seat anywhere? Well, the sort of the nature of frequent flyer and frequent flyer points have changed over time. So previously it used to be the more you fly one airline, the more points you get. But nowadays the game has changed such that you can earn way more points by spending on the right credit card and then use those credit card and frequent flyer points to fly. So most of the time all my flights earn, all my points are earned from paying bills and then I use them to fly. I actually don't fly that often at all. Oh, that that sounds like you're in the wrong business then in some ways, but you're helping us all fly, I guess, to where we want to go in in style. So just take us back a little bit. Before you launched iFlyFlat, I did mention you were in the corporate sector. What were you actually doing and what did that actually teach you about, I guess, being not just an employee but running a business? Yeah, so I was uh, an accountant in in a major bank, Macquarie Bank, and I worked there for over 11 years. So doing interesting things like doing accounting for toll roads, airports, private equity. So in that role, I learned a lot about numbers and become quite immune to numbers. So looking at $1,000 or a million dollars, it's just another number on a spreadsheet. So I was pretty good with numbers. And my core value was how can I find value? So what I learned during that time was that you sort of have to sort of work hard on the numbers because you've got to get it right. But what it taught me in business was, well, I can probably say it probably didn't teach me anything in business. So maybe you learned everything once, like a lot of us, once you kind of t- take the plunge and have a startup, I guess you're learning every day. Because I think working in a corporate, you're surrounded by very like-minded people, which is fantastic. But when you start your own business, your customers are not like-minded. Your customers are all types of people. And and be, just because they run a business doesn't mean they're also rational either. So that's the key thing I learned, that you've got to learn how to deal with people and get what they want. And what they want may not always be what you think they want. Mm, that's very interesting. So I suppose, has iFlyFlat sort of changed how it started? Have you evolved in any way? Yeah, so we started with a flat fee where you could just uh, book as many flights as you can because that was coming from my ideas, like how many times can you fly? But soon we found people want to fly every month. Some people fly every month. Some people fly once, once a year. But we're charging them the same fee. So the people that were flying every month, we were saving them. I, I worked out that we probably were saving them about sixty to eighty thousand dollars in flights every year, and we we're charging them the same low fee. And roughly, what was the fee in the beginning? It was five hundred and fifty dollars, or you can fly. Wow, it's like and a buffet, or you can eat, or you can fly. <laughs> it, it was, and I think when you're starting a small business, you go, "Well, five hundred and fifty dollars—that's that's pretty good. That's not much work." But when you're actually looking for flights and very specific flights for people. It is a lot of work. When you're just booking for yourself, it doesn't seem to be a lot of work. So slowly I realized that that was actually, was, it was certainly unprofitable, but it, it was unsustainable. Because once I started getting staff and you had to pay them, then we realized that the value we were delivering was so significant that slowly our prices uh, went up to match this supply and also the service levels that we wanted. So roughly now, if I wanted to become a member, do you have a different fee for an individual to obviously a business that you'd be working with? Yeah, so we don't quite have memberships anymore. We just have a fee for service. So for $2,500, we'll use your points and we'll fly you anywhere in the world. But 
Unfortunately, we don't make the whole 2500 We We pay for the fees and taxes for you. And the fees and taxes for a ticket could range anything from 500 to $1,800. So our, our fee that we take home goes up and down depending on where you fly and which airline you fly with. Sure. Because you're the numbers guy, I guess you've worked out there is a sweet spot. I guess it's a mixture of what people are willing to pay for your service as well as obviously keeping keeping yourself you know, afloat. So in your view, how many points do we or how many cards or what do we need to make this really worthwhile? I mean, I must admit, as an individual, I might fly domestically three times a month, one month, and then not fly again for three months, or I might go overseas maybe twice a year. Is it something that you actually get them obviously the most value from when you fly more? Yeah, well, actually, the most value is about flying, using your points to fly a business class. But I wanted to just uh, switch that misconception about flying because you actually don't earn many points from flying. So you actually earn all your, all your points from paying bills. So, right. So using a credit card to do that. And I guess you don't necessarily want to, um, you know, in this environment, uh, plug certain credit cards, but I imagine some have better point systems than others. Yeah, definitely. So it's all about your shopping habits. So for example, if you, you shop at supermarkets or you spend a lot of money there, some card can earn you triple the points as another card. And this is the same, for the same dollar. So you either, to earn triple the points, you either have to spend three times the money or you get a card that earns you triple points. Right. Okay. And I guess it's about keeping on top of that as well because that changes. You sort of feel like sometimes they reel you in with this great offer and then obviously if the, you know, if the goalposts move, you might not be getting as many points. Yeah. So actually come 1st July, a goalpost will move for, for a number of cards as, as the RBA interchange rules flow through, which means that sometimes the card you're holding, yeah, does change. Interesting. Interesting. So There's always going to be a winner. Yeah, you said the market's sort of changed since, you know, even maybe you started the business. What are some of the major changes that you've seen in terms of how people might, you know, use your service or fly? Yeah, I've seen that the airline industry has really gone. So since GFC, uh, the airline industry has really recovered. So there has been a drop off in the number of frequent flyer seats that are available to be booked, which really means we've actually grown on the back of that because – because people find it difficult to use the points to book their own seats, that's why they use our service to do so. Right. So that's kind of the gap, I guess, that you fill for people. Yes. Because I think you're right. I, I have noticed there are less and less points, seats available through your points anyway. So sometimes you have that feeling, well, why am I accumulating points when really I'm not getting anything out of this? But also the market has changed that it's, it's actually really easy to accumulate points now. So it's really a supply and demand. So the, the number of supply of points has gone up in the market. The demand has gone up, but the supply side of the seats available maybe hasn't gone up in the same. So you've actually got more people with more points looking for the same seats. Right, okay. So in terms of building relationships with the airlines and the booking systems, how have you gone about that? We mainly started independent, such that we didn't rely on anyone to give us access uh, or to be friends with us. We Really, our goal was to help sort of Aussie companies try to complete globally because if you want to do a business overseas you've got to fly there the whole idea of meeting on the internet you can probably do that after your first initial meeting but you've got to shake hands and have dinner yeah you've got to press the flesh i think to build that rapport for sure yeah exactly so that, therefore that means if it costs five thousand dollars or eight thousand dollars in business class to go there and land on the ground and be fresh it really means that our businesses in australia have to pay more to compete with other businesses overseas so that's really the, the core value of 
And plus, we have these freaking flyer points that people don't realize the value in them. You can actually save about 70% of the price of ticket by choosing your wow, points properly. Wow, that's incredible. That's massive saving. And I guess, you know, in terms of what you do as, as the points whisperer, does anyone do something similar overseas? Is it you kind of, you know, a, a kind of a first in any way? I think my unique model's first because my focus is on business business and their, and their owners, so tapping into the fact that businesses have bills to pay. Overseas, especially in America, there's a lot, lot and lots of point bloggers, so blogs about lots and lots of points. They're more the do-it-yourself, so they talk about it, you read it, and you figure out how to apply it to your own situation. Um, so I'm the first that holds someone's hand uh, and tells them what to do and, and finds a seat for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, do you, is there an opportunity for you to scale up and expand perhaps into a more global market? Yeah, I've always thought of that. It's actually a really common question because any market that has frequent flyer program, such as a large airline, and have credit card is a market that's suitable. But uniqueness about Australian market, I believe, is because we're so far away from everyone and the cost of flying business class is so expensive, it means that by using points, you actually save a significant amount of money. Whereas if you're from Asia, the, your flight actually is cheaper. So saving, I guess it's all relative, saving 70% off a $2,000 flight is not as big as saving 70% of a 10000 No, of course, of course. So you definitely have, I guess, captured where you know best, which is your home market. So I guess uh, this is might be a slightly controversial question, but you know, I guess do the airlines and the credit card companies actually not like you because you've kind of commodified what they do into something which benefits perhaps yourself as a business owner and innovator as well as customers which they might be trying to secure through different mechanisms? Well, they haven't said as such, but I, I don't think so because I, I actually believe, based on my calculations, that we actually make them more money. Because the whole free, way the Freak and Fly program works is they want to sell points to credit card companies or to retailers. So every point they sell, they make money from there. So what we do is we get businesses to pay more of their bills on their credit card, which then drop, means that they buy more points from them. So right, I believe so actually, we actually make them more money on the frequent fly side, but on the seat side, then I don't think there's that much difference because they say they put out 100,000 seats, someone will fly on them, whether we find the seats for our customers or someone finds it themselves. Those seats will still be filled. Right. So yours just... I guess, helping fill them with your clients as opposed to other people. Yeah, we're just helping our clients save the time so they otherwise couldn't, may not be able to access it themselves. Sure. And have you had to sort of build connections within those, you know, I guess, those credit card suppliers so, and educate them about what you're doing? Because, you know, sometimes when a disruptor comes to the market, there is a little bit of nervousness, particularly if you're, you know, changing the way things have been done. Yeah, definitely. That's been part of the interesting part of the business because they, they don't, tend to reach out all the time, but some, some people do, and they, they're interested about what you do and how you can help their business. So I believe we're very much aligned with the airlines and also the credit card companies because really it's just about getting people switched over to paying more bills on cards, so that's good for them. We like to know them because when we recommend certain products, we go right into the terms and conditions and looks at, at all the different you know, fine print the points, the caps, and things like that. So we like to talk with the banks and the credit card companies to really clarify sometimes because sometimes their terms are so sort of ambiguous, it's hard to know what they really mean. And that- oh, I agree. Those product disclosure statements and those you know brochures you get every time you get a new credit card, I have to admit, I 
might read a little bit of it, but I certainly don't labor over it. So there's probably some detail which I have missed when I'm kind of signing up for that. And, uh, and clearly consumers would probably wouldn't even read the terms and conditions, so completely unaware of the limitations. So you could help them with that. So in terms of what services you do provide for clients, you've mentioned you work with, with businesses, whether they be smaller or larger entities as well. You also run workshops, I understand. What does that involve? Yes, yeah, so we run a, a points audit, so it's still a customised the, the business. The whole idea is designed to look at the card and payment structure. So we look at their expenses and we and we see who they can pay on credit card and what fees, and then from there we can recommend which is the best card structure for them. So therefore they can earn more points of the same spending. So it's all designed to earn more points. And what about, uh, you've mentioned to me that you have booked a cruise for yourself mm-hmm. um, using perhaps your system. Is that a new area? Oh, yeah, cruise I haven't been able to crack yet. So that's just normal cash, normal money, unfortunately. Okay, you don't actually, I'm just thinking, I know cruising has actually taken off in a big way in Australia in the past five years or so um, just through other clients I work with. So I'm thinking there's some potential there for you. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Cruising is really popular. While you can't use points to book a cruise itself, what we can do is use points because some cruises are one way, so therefore you can use points to fly one way back and not have to pay. You know, sometimes when you buy a one-way ticket, you have to pay a surcharge compared to your return, but using points is just half the price of a return. So using points to fly one way is actually a really good bargain. No, that's interesting. And I guess um, I'm always a big believer people don't actually uh, achieve their success uh, and get to where they are on their own. Do you have any mentors or inspirational figures that have helped you along the way, whether they be household names or just people in your life? Who were they and what have they taught you about business and life? Yeah, I think the one, obviously Richard Branson has been an idol because of what he's done with the airline industry and all, all across industries. But really the, the key thing for him was and reading his story was that he just saw an opportunity. He just went with it. He saw that there was value for the customers and value for himself. And from, from that, I learned that this industry is actually, the frequent flyer industry is actually multi-billion industry. So they, they value the Qantas frequent flyer program at over four billion. Wow. And is that, is that globally or how, how does that figure work? Well, well globally, the numbers are hard to tell, but in America, some analysts have valued, say, the American Airlines frequent flyer program at $37 billion, which interesting is where the market cap is $21 billion, so it's actually worth more than the company itself. Isn't that interesting? Because it drives flights, plus it drives – it basically is a really complex marketing program. Because if you think of your shopping habits, you choose to shop at shop A over shop B because shop A might still have the same thing but might have points, so that sways your decision over – Absolutely. No, that's totally fascinating. And is there anyone else that comes to mind that don't have to be famous? Um, sometimes we've got, you know, fabulous uh, business mentors or even co-workers that have taught us taught us about what works best. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I've got two me- mentors on my advisory board. So I've got Lauren Freed, and she runs a marketing company. Interesting yes. thing about Lauren is I actually met her when I first wanted to get an understanding of how much it costs for a marketing plan together. So she was actually one of the first persons that I've spoken to when the business was just brand, brand new, and she bought onto the idea and she became an advisor. 
So, so she's a really good sounding board because she's been in business a long time. She's also in EO, Entrepreneur Organization. So she brings with her the whole wealth of just knowledge. And also, I think in business, because every business gets new things happening to them all the time. Absolutely. No, I, think, I think you're right. I think, and I think business, from my experience, is changing faster than ever. And, and the second person on our board is uh, Peter Ma. He's actually uh, ex-McCrowe Bank, who I met, who I knew McCrowe Day. So he's retired now, but he brings a much more corporate and sort of like old hands and old minds approach to business. So I get the young entrepreneur with, with Lauren and a sort of smart old brain with Peter. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that sounds like you've got a great uh, team on your side. We're going to wrap up the podcast, I guess, by sharing with our audience, if you had any top tips for anyone keen to get that best seat on the plane in the politics of flyer points, what would be your maybe top two or three pieces of advice? Yeah, well, well number one is try to pay anything on, on your card so you can get the points because without the points, you can't play. And then once you do have the points, using points to fly business class is by far the best value, financially by far the best value. One thing most people don't know is if you buy a ticket, for example, uh, say to Los Angeles, it might cost you $1,000. But to fly business class is about four or five times, like $5,000. But if you fly on points, it's only 96,000 points on economy or double that for business class. So that's for nice. double price, you actually get four or five times the value. Yeah, that's really changed how I think about that system. And I guess just, just to tap back into the idea of the credit card, is it about being, using the one credit card so you get the most points on the one card or can you accumulate those points? That's one point that I hadn't actually had a chance to unpack with you. You can accumulate those points. So you actually got two choices. One, you can have a direct earn, which earns points directly into one frequent flyer program earning. But I like the ones which are flexible where you earn reward points first in the credit card, and then you can choose to transfer them to whichever airline you want later. So therefore, that because you don't, may not always know where you want to go, the fix, flexibility allows you to transfer to the right airline that has seats later. Absolutely. Well, it's been fascinating talking to Stephen Huey. If you do want to contact him and find out a little bit more about iFly Flat, we're going to have some website and social media links on our show notes. You've been listening to The Politics of Everything, and I'm your host, Amber Danes. Until next time, keep well. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, we thrive on feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network and your friends and family. I'm also always on the hunt for fabulous new guests. So if you've got a view to share and an idea how to get our listeners excited, please email me at amber at bespoke comms, that's B-E-S-P-O-K-E-C-O-M-M-S.com.au and we'll be sure to get back to you. Until next time.